0: This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes.
1: Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Best Friends Podcast. I mean, they're all special, but today is a special day because it's Veterans Day. My name is John Dunn, and our guest for this episode is Marie Peck. She's from the Fetch Foundation, a wonderful organization. They save dogs from shelters, put them through rigorous training courtesy of training partners, and they take these dogs that many would say are not suitable to be working dogs, service dogs, therapy dogs, search and rescue dogs, dogs that probably wouldn't ever be looked at. Well, they prove those people wrong. And in the same way those dogs have been overlooked, so too are far too many of our veterans. And as you'll hear, the right dog with the right veteran can save not just one life, but two lives. Before that, just wanna quickly ask, when was the last time you shared the podcast? If you find this podcast to be valuable, maybe something inspired you, you were able to put something you learned into practice, maybe you just love my jokes probably not that, but that's fine. If you've enjoyed the podcast, help us grow it. Please share it on your social media, share it with your staff. We know that some of you out there are actually incorporating the podcast into your staff trading. How incredible is that? Assigning an episode and then talking about it later together as a team. We love hearing things like that. So please consider sharing. And we do love hearing the ways the show is helping you save more lives. So send us an email, let us know, podcast at bestfriends.org. A warning as we get started, we've tried to keep this positive and uplifting and inspiring, but these are not easy topics and they can certainly be triggering. So please keep that in mind. There are roughly 19 million veterans in the United States, men and women who serve the country and due to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, there are more veterans that have served multiple tours in combat zones than at any other point in history. Being back in America doesn't mean life goes back to what it was before. A lot of veterans, understandably, as we know, suffer from PTSD. Drug abuse is common as they struggle to cope with the heavy burden they carry. The suicide rate amongst veterans is incredibly high. So for this Veterans Day, we're sharing the story of one organization, the Fetch Foundation. They're based in Arizona, and we're going to hear about the work they do. Taking dogs who need a second chance and pairing them with a veteran who badly needs the unconditional love a pet can provide. Sometimes that's more than enough to let them know that they are still heroes and they have not been forgotten.
0: I am Marie Peck from the Fetch Foundation. I am the founder. We started back in 2007.
1: Marie, thanks for taking the time to chat with me about the work you do at the Fetch Foundation. How did you get started and what do you do? Well, we started out as a
0: rescue and I started this rescue because I do search and rescue for a county up north. And I saw these folks buying dogs and I realized that you don't have to purchase a, a purebred or a dog that has been bred. And so I started this foundation to show these rescue organi- search and rescue organizations that they can literally go to the county shelter or private rescues and find these amazing animals. So that's what we did.
1: Finding great animals at shelters, which Everyone listening to this hopefully knows that that isn't difficult to do, but that's only one part of it, right? I mean, great dogs everywhere. It doesn't mean that they're candidates to actually take on these roles. Uh, You know, my dog training knowledge is pretty thin, but I do know enough to know that it takes a very, very good boy to be a working dog. So you know, finding trainers and and getting all of that. I mean, that has to be no small feat.
0: Oh, we have a huge network now. I am so incredibly proud of it and I protect it with everything I have. And that's how you found me through Sherry Woodard, who was my mentor. Through her Canines with Careers program, I literally shadowed, I mean, I completely shadowed her on that. And we just did the same darn thing. And finding the organizations across the whole United States that can use this as their program, instead of buying these dogs, w- there are so many of them with th- that are just waiting for us at these shelters.
1: Regular listeners to the podcast know I'm a cat dad. And as I already said, I don't know a lot about dog training. So for me, and you know, maybe anyone else who is a little unsure of the difference between, say, a service dog, a therapy dog, and the skills necessary to, to perform these roles, uh, help me understand more about that.
0: Okay. When we're looking for a service dog, We're looking for a dog with with a super calm temperament, uh, a dog that can handle noises, sounds. He's also really wants to be trained. He wants wants interaction with that human. Uh, They have to provide a task. Uh, As we know, across the United States, we have lots of dogs that are not service dogs, but are wearing the vest. You will know a real service dog by its behavior, its connection to that owner, the handler, and, when you see it out in public, you're also going to see a different behavior than any other pet. The dog is still totally zoned in on that that human that they're supposed to be providing the task, whether it's diabetic alert, whether any other medical ability that, that they can perform for the handler. They can also pick up things, help move that wheelchair. For our veterans, they can create that space between the rest of the world. And, and literally that's what they call it. It's a space between them and the rest of the world where they feel safe. And a therapy dog is a dog that goes with a handler to organizations, to schools, to veteran facilities, to their PTS meetings and creates a calm and just literally gets loved on. And you no know, fingers in the fur it does so much for anyone that has anxiety, and we watched it happen. I mean, we, we watch people change right in front of our eyes. Then my search and rescue dogs, that's a whole nother deal. They're super high drive, sometimes poorly behaved, but that's okay. They can't be aggressive at all, but they're super high drive and play, play, play. And we train them for all kinds of things from accelerants to cadaver, to live scent. We just placed one in a prison who's going to find cell phones. I mean, he, that's that's what this little Jack Russell is going to do. He was an evil Jack Russell, but he loves his job and he loves his handler. So he didn't, you know, he was on the E-list and we took care of that, didn't we?
1: Always on the podcast, Marie, whenever we can, we want to help people understand how they can get involved, how they can help, maybe how they can even do some of this work for themselves from their rescue, their shelter, you know, be part of the solution for veterans and others who need as you put it, just so wonderfully there, fingers in the fur. So maybe someone right now is saying, you know, I have a dog in my rescue that I know can help a veteran. All dogs are individuals, not an easy question to answer. I totally get it. But what kind of investment are we talking about here? You know, financial and time.
0: Well, and I'm so glad you said you want to get other organizations to learn about this because that's what we've done here. Like our Arizona Humane Society, they, can, they have the dogs there. have to have a network, your network of trainers. I have a service dog trainer that just recently we created literally how much it does cost to train a dog from not necessarily puppy from intake to placing it with a handler. And it costs us upwards of $10,000. I get incredible discounts on training and such. And it still costs. About ten thousand dollars. We donate these animals at the end of it. Not a lot of places will do that, but we we can do our fundraising and we'll we'll donate them. But when I watch Julie intake a dog, well, we take we intake the dog, and then Julie is our trainer. She will give us an incredible outline of what this dog has to achieve by this point. By this point. By this point. And we have some pups that are absolute rock stars we had one now of course this is not typical she had her therapy certification and i brought her in for search and rescue therapy certification in two and a half weeks that's just what this dog was she was just made of incredible stuff and she was ready to learn ready to calm and now she's in training for search and rescue anyway because she has it uh then we also have a german shepherd right now he's gonna make it he'll make it but he's he's going to be here for a while. He's got some reactivity toward other dogs, not negative. It, well, it is negative when you're trying to train him. But these dogs are at all of these facilities. I mean, all these other rescues, they have these dogs and we're lucky enough to scoop up some from them and we will mentor them any, for no charge to do it on their own because the more pups we get out there, the more pups we can pull.
1: Marie, that's an amazing offer to help folks that want help with this. So, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, we'll have information on our website, bestfriends.org/podcast. We'll have that contact info. Go to bestfriends.org/podcast. Scroll down, click the link for episode eighty-seven. I think you said ten grand per dog average, maybe. I mean, that's a lot of money.
0: It is a lot of money, but like now that one that we trained within, well, she—I she, have to admit she already had it. Uh, in three weeks, that was nothing. There was. There was no cost there whatsoever. We take dogs on airplanes, we take dogs on trains, we take them into environments. We're gonna to have to see what's going to happen with their with their behavior. Most of our dogs, probably, probably closer to five to seven thousand. Yeah, it does. It costs a lot of money, but it's really worth it. You should see the faces on these people that get these dogs from us. It's amazing. Changing
1: the perception of shelter dogs, what an amazing part of this. You know, One of the last times I flew, which seems like forever ago, uh, I was going through Atlanta, and there was a massive security line, as there always is there. And the TSA had a little dog sniffing bags, sniffing people uh, as we went by, and he wasn't a big German shepherd. He wasn't that kind of big classic law enforcement dog, right? He was just a little black lab pit bull type dog mix. I mean, maybe 20 pounds, maybe. Uh, And I remember looking at him and just being so happy to see a dog like that doing the work. So things are changing, but how hard is it to change those perceptions that a dog rescued from a shelter can work alongside the best?
0: It's tough, but boy, is it happening, John. It's happening and it's happening fast because just like you said, that little pity, there are so many dogs, the, the mixed breeds that I have seen because I, I do travel a little bit now and it, it just makes my heart melt seeing the change. And I go up and I talk to them and I ask them, where did you get the dog? And how did you talk them into it? Those dogs that they're bringing over from Germany, there's some serious breeding issues going on. There's some serious temperament issues. The police department is realizing this and we have placed four dogs with PD for protection and Uh, scent work, they are singing our praises. And that's how it happens. You pass it on, pass it on, you get the media involved. And here in the Phoenix area, we've got a lot of pound puppies working. And I do it here at the smaller shelters. They know, they know what I'm looking for. And I can, I can find a dog that wants to bite. Not a mean dog. He just likes to bite. And we can find a place for it. We definitely can find a place for that dog. I have never had to euthanize a dog for, that has been in our program. And we're pretty picky about our program, but ever for horrific behavior or anything like that. Thank God these animals are out there and everybody is getting educated, I hope. Um, we do still have some ignorance. I, I'll be very honest with you. But I just turn, I just turn away and I, I move on to the next group because I know that I can place them there.
1: You know, I hadn't even thought of that. You know, here's a veteran who's already got a hell of a lot to deal with, right? I mean, one of the worst things we could do is give them a dog that is just another problem for them, you know, suffering from breeding issues, hip dysplasia, whatever that is. You know, we've taken someone, they're struggling, and just given them years, a decade or more of serious health issues with with a dog that's supposed to uh, be their rock.
0: That's part of that $10,000. It cost us about $1,500 to get the dog medically ready. I should have mentioned that because we do that fancy hip x-rays, the pen, they always say it wrong. They have to give them some sleepy juice to do these x-rays because they're pretty intense. And then of course we spay and neuter. We do incredible blood work work workups everything on these dogs. And we don't go to the the really inexpensive clinics, because they don't have the ability to do our ultrasounds and things like that. And cat scans, we do cat scans on these dogs. So exactly the reason you said, I cannot give this veteran another problem. And they're very thankful. A lot of organizations don't do that. And we all know that cancer is running rampant. Now, that's not something we can predict way in the future. But I, if I pull a three-year-old dog, we're going to test for everything, every single thing. And of course the puppies too, but uh, we'll pull dogs that are older as well. I didn't know if I had mentioned that. for and under, we'd like them to have a little bit of a you know, career because you know it'll break somebody's heart if that pup's gone not you know, not to you know, five, 10 years down the road, we want them to have a, a good working career. But if I've got a dog with a, an incredible temperament, Gosh, I'm going to play some. Well,
1: something else you do at the Fetch Foundation, the Fido bags. So great. So I want to give you a chance to talk about that. Not sure if it's really Veterans Day related, but uh, tell me more
0: about the Fido bags. Yeah, actually, about two, two and a half years after the war started, I, I work with a group called Canine Defenders in Michigan. We sent, I think, close to 450 Fido bags to Afghanistan to the handlers, and they were quite different than the ones we give to the fire departments here. But our phyto bags are animal rescue equipment for pets. And what we sent to Afghanistan for our veterans was really, it had drugs in it like uh, EpiPens, and uh, it had tourniquets and all kinds of fancy schmancy stuff. We don't have to do that for the fire departments. They have a small bag. These are all over the United States. We've got close to 10,000 bags out there now. and. The most important thing in there is that O2 mask for our fire departments. Uh, They can give O2 to a pet and then other, you know, other things in there that are pet related, of course, like gloves and leashes and sometimes splints and some, some medication that to wrap a a burn and, and so you can transport the animal. We have been doing that for a very long time as well. And just recently, those fires that were on the, you know, West Coast, we sent a van there with, hundreds of phytobags bags to hand over to the uh, the wildland firefighters. They were literally going into homes where the people had evacuated and left their animals. And we got some, you know, chilling stories back how these these guys and gals were finding these animals and able to to resuscitate or, you know, even just do triage to them and get them out of there. Back in the day, they didn't do that. They just said i'm so sorry and they would bring out the animal this is like in a house fire they would bring out the animal and lay it down say i'm so sorry now they work it work that dog like a pediatric patient and story after story after story we get them all the time and they're resuscitating them just like they would a pediatric patient we tell them what drugs to use they've got them on that great big red truck that showed up we didn't don't put them in the bag we talk to them about benadryl Uh, we just had uh, a dog no it wasn't a dog it was two geese were stung terribly by bees so were the owners and while they were working on the owners they realized the geese had been stung terribly because they're so nosy they had to get in the business there and they treated the the geese i have pictures it's adorable and both the geese lived they gave him benadryl and epi and they gave him oxygen so we're we're empowering them and enabling them to to do it because they now've got the tools. We're super proud of our Phytobank program.
1: I love that story about the geese. I love stories in general. So is there a story that maybe comes to mind for you that really epitomizes the Homeless to Hero program that you do at the Fetch Foundation?
0: Okay, it wasn't too it wasn't too far from home, a couple hour drive. I got a call that this young man who had done I don't remember if it's two or three tours. He had been home for 16 weeks. He had not come out of his bedroom. He hadn't bathed. And I think he uh, attempted suicide twice. Uh, they were they were able to, to intervene and his mother called. And I had been search and rescue with his mother for years before that. And she asked if there was any dog that she, I could bring that could help. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she, she's a dog person. She should know. But I did. I did, I had a huge Czechoslovakian shepherd and I took him up there. I won't use his name, but I'll call him Jason. So Jason came out, which is amazing that he actually came out. I've got my Czech shepherd and Jason was zeroed in on the dog and great big kid, probably six two. I said, Jason, could you hold him for me? And I handed, handed the leash over. Well, as he took the leash, he went down to a knee and we all got a little, <laughs> and literally this dog, I mean, he must've been a hundred pound shepherd moved into him and put his forehead against his chest. Now I've been training this dog for search and rescue, not therapy, not service. I just brought him because I thought that's kind of what he saw over there that might help. So these two are having their moment and Jason starts talking. He starts telling me things that he saw, what he did. You know what, I kept my poker face. I have no idea how I did it, but the whole time this dog is melting into his chest. I said, you know what, could you take him out for a bit? I think, I think he needs to, to leave with you. So he did. When I tell you, John, there was a bond. It was unbelievable. And he came back and you could tell he was emotional. He was emotional. He came back probably 15 minutes later. He said, where is this dog going? I said, I don't have a plan yet. And then his eyes got really bright and he made eye contact. That's something that he hadn't done to anyone. He made eye contact and he took a knee again, wrapped his arm around the neck of that dog, which that dog didn't like me to do that. Those dogs are high drive. And I'm telling you, it was absolutely beautiful. I could see the mothers crying over in the distance. And I said, can I leave him with you? Can I leave him with you just a little bit? And he said, ma'am, that might save my life. And I said, okay, I said, all right, we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna leave him, but I'm gonna come back in a week and I'm gonna check on you guys. I said, but I have to give you a warning. You need to take him out. He needs to be out in public. And another warning is he's a chick magnet. Jason fell apart laughing. I mean, he, he lost his composure and he laughed. These are all huge breakthroughs that all happened within a half hour. So I talked to the mom and I, I, I'll be honest with you. I was nervous about my dog. I was because this kid was so unstable. He took that dog three days later to one of the veteran meetings. And from that day on, different kid, different kid. He took that dog. He's now a service dog, took that dog to school. We had a service trainer up in up in the Prescott area, take train the dog. He took the dog to school with him. In other words, he went to school and I forget what he went into, but for two years, the dog went to school with him. It saved his life. It saved his life just taking taking that big guy up there. And that was crazy emotional. I, I tear up every time I think and look and remember Jason's face. Oh, a fun part. I said, can I get a picture of you? I said, I don't necessarily have to have your face if you don't want. He said, just a minute, ma'am. And he ran in the house and he got, his veteran's cap from Afghanistan. Iraq, It said Iraq on it. And he wore his cap. And I'll tell you, he probably hadn't brushed his teeth, washed his hair, washed his face, washed his clothes in 16 weeks, but it was the most beautiful picture I've ever taken.
1: I'd like to thank Marie and everyone out there helping pets and vets, and to every one of you who have served this country, and so many of you in the field have worn the uniform So on this Veterans Day and every day, we say thank you. The team behind this program, Tawny Hammond, Amy Charlton, Bethany Hines, Kayla Sebo, Whitney Blyton, and Mark Peralta. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.